that we worship Him not only in spirit, but in truth, knowing that He really is who He says He is. So I want you to just sing this. This is not for fun. A song but a declaration, I will never stop. I will never stop. came out with that song, always, how long has it been? Yeah, I think, yeah, probably five years ago. Man, it was, it went all over. It was really popular. Still is. <coughs> Thank you for doing that. Man. That was awesome. Uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to share this morning. You can turn your, uh, Luke 2, we can start with, we'll start from there in the Bible. David, can you grab me a bottle of water? Oh, thank you. Thanks, Molly. Hey, guys. Thinks that it's going to be 
and our, our, and our consciousness be taken to these beautiful times where everybody, the whole earth is coming together in one place. It's going to be the opposite of, of that. And the whole earth's going to be in turmoil, and everybody's going to be desperate. They're going to be running back to Jesus, and then they'll be, they'll be running back to themselves and to their religion and to their walking in sin. So the opposite of that is happening. We're thinking that we need to embrace revival and revival in darkness rather than his revival is totally different than that. It's not a feel-good thing. It's actually trials and tribulations. But if you're in him, it's, it's actually wonderful and blessed. You actually get to see God's visitation upon the earth. So that's why we're, where we're going. We're going to have to start really learning his voice, leaning on his voice, walking closely with his voice, and obeying his nature that he's given us. And I'm going to show you something in, in this thing as far as Jesus is so busy that they forgot Jesus. They went three days, and they realized after three days, you know, oh my gosh, uh, where's Jesus at? And so they were so busy with all the stuff that they needed to be, be done, what they thought, thought was important, they actually found themselves three days removed from Christ. And so they had to trek all the way back to where Jesus was. all the way back where Jesus was. And that's where that's where Christianity is going. We're not going to go forward. We're not going to go into greater revelation. We're going back to the one we missed, which is Jesus. I have a friend that actually got caught up into heaven and uh, a long, long time ago, he wrote this book called The Final Flood. And uh, there was this mountain he saw that he thought he needed to climb. And so he started climbing all these different little plateaus and trying to get to the top. It's, that's kind of a, the way that we think, you know, walking with Christ is or pressing into the kingdom and all these things. It, we've got to get higher or we've got to get deeper, right? Everybody agree with that? And he, that kind of pushed him. It made him want to get to that next level, the next level. He could see it. It's, it's called righteousness. So he just he fought and tried his best to get up there. There was all these enemies shooting arrows at him to try to get him from, you know, reaching to that next plateau with God. And but when he got to that plateau, God would speak to him and give him all give him all these revelations, and it was great and it was wonderful. Well, I mean, he, he took a beating getting to the top, and when he finally got to the top, the top was actually the garden, and Jesus was there, and it was the most peaceful peaceful place on the face of the universe. And all these other soldiers were there as well. And as he's sitting down and listening to what Jesus was saying to his soldiers about the last day war, uh, there were these other guys that were coming in. And these other guys were coming in a different way. They were just walking through this side door. And he wasn't seeing any, any, uh, too many guys coming up over the, the ledge where he crawled. And he was, just, he was worn out, but these guys just come walking in. And he's like, well, where'd y'all come from? They said, we came through salvation. Well, what do you mean you came through salvation? They said, yeah, there's a, there was a door down at the bottom of the, of the mountain. Didn't you not see it? And he goes, I was too busy trying to get higher. And he said, and I missed the door. And so the Lord let him go back down there 
where all of the, the real war was going on. I mean, it, it was bloody. It was, it was a terrible mess. I don't want to go into details. But he was so distracted by the war. He was so distracted by all the, the, the things that were going on at the bottom that he thought he had to get higher in order to get above everything. Or he had to get closer to get above everything. And he, he went back down there and he saw all this war going on. And he looked down to where the door was. And there was a little door that was just almost right in his face, but he was just too busy focusing on what was going on and trying to get above it. When he could have simply just walked through the door. And when the closer he got to the door, the door started forming into a person. And guess who it was? Jesus was standing at the bottom. He wasn't really at the top. So if you really want to get to the top, you've got to go back to the bottom. So what we're, what Christianity is going to do, we we think that we're going to go higher, but actually we're going to go back. We're going to go back to the foundation of Jesus. And Jesus had to go through this stuff himself. He had to, he had to actually had to listen to the voice of God all the time in order to walk into this world, in order to survive this world, much less. I mean, he was tempted on all points, right? And he overcame all points of sin without sin. But he listened to the voice of God or the thoughts of God and not his own opinion. Or what he thought was right to do. Or what he thought so and so should change. Now, did he get those types of thoughts that went through his mind? Absolutely. And it sounded familiar and it sounded right, but it wasn't of the Lord. And so he had to learn these things and be subject to the Spirit instead of subject to this world. And that world is in our brain whether we like it or not. The things that feel good, the things that we think that we have a right to do are the very things we've got to die for. Those are the very things. I was sitting here, you know, while he was doing, you know, doing the worship and leading us in worship, and I was sitting there just thinking, man, if I, if I couldn't open my voice, I would probably be born to myself. Because worship actually breaks you out of yourself. I don't know if y'all know that or not. If you have a problem with not singing, and you have a problem with singing, then you've got a problem with opening up. Because the worship is not just for the Lord. It's actually for us to break out of our own spirit so that we can get back into the spirit of the Lord. And Jesus is having to do this daily. Think about this. He couldn't do the things he wanted to do. But he lived abundant life. Right? He lived the abundant life. The abundant life of this world is either having money or being able to do your own thing and call it okay and or say that Jesus still loves me. All those things that make us feel good is the world's way. But God's way is much higher than that and it's better than that and it feels better than that. But our flesh doesn't want to die to get there. Our minds don't want to let go of our feel-good stuff. Does that make sense? And so where we're going as Christians, we're kind of like the prodigal. We got all of these inheritance. We had, we had a movement of God, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, and the gifts of God were awakened. Then we come into the 80s and 90s, and we had this prophetic movement. And we've been given all these wonderful inheritances of God, 
but we kind of did it like the prodigal. We kind of took them and just started using them for ourselves. Instead of just staying in the house of God. Just staying with the Lord. And so that is kind of coming around the corner to where, okay, Christians are about to get back to walking back to the Father's house again because the pig pen that we've been in has really been self-thinking, self-desire. And God's not like that. God's nothing like that. But He wants us to be like Him. And the very Spirit that raised Him from the dead, it lives inside of us, and it wants to raise us from that dead. Does that make sense? And so, you can see in, in this uh, this little chapter in Luke 2, and I'm going to start in 51, but they have gone back to get Jesus, and they're saying, where in the world have you been? He said, I, I, I must be about my father's business. And so, he, he's looking at them like, don't you know I'm supposed to be in the temple, blah, blah, blah. But you got to remember, he's only 12 years old, so he's just quoting what he's hearing. But he hasn't yet been subject to things. He doesn't understand the law of walking in the subject of God. And so when his parents got on to him, look at what the author wrote. And it says, He then went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Well, now watch this. And Jesus increased, say that with me, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and favor with God and men. Why? He got convicted. Was he speaking the truth? He must be about his father's business. Yes. But he's a child, so he doesn't know that his father's business is also being subject to the people that are over him. And so in the Holy Spirit, piercing, convicting, he thought, oh my God, I've got to be subject to my parents as well. I've got to be subject to man who is over me for right now. And so when he was subject to the Holy Spirit, he was able to honor his parents and still walk in the Spirit. Can you imagine how tough that was? Can you imagine being God in the flesh and you're still having to walk through all that carnal stuff that's put in your flesh and you're having to be under carnal parents and you're still hearing the Lord at the same time. Do you, do you realize that was a major sword for him growing up? But we, we skipped the line where it says, and he was subject to them. That means he heard the Spirit. And so the Spirit is telling him, you've got to live under their authority as well as mine. And so when that happened, he started obeying that, and look what happens. He grows, he increases in wisdom and stature and favor with God. That's not only just with, on the outside, but even within himself. Favor with God is not the stuff that happens to us here. Favor with God is when you're feeling a friend inside of you. When your conscience starts to be clear. Because you're obeying the Spirit. There's no more grumbling, complaining. You just obey. And so the favor and the happiness and the kindness of God starts living in you and you start being a really good person. 
don't get happy again. It's that simple. But these days, you know, we think the voice of God is, these days, uh, has a lot to do with the accuser of the brethren, even in our own self. I talked to someone uh, the other day while I was at the leadership retreat. I had a little emergency call. And this person, uh, which is the wife, she called, she called me, and, and, and it was a real emergency because someone had actually had uh, hired a, a private investigator to follow her husband to see if he's, he's doing things wrong. And this, pers- this person, when they hired it, it's actually, well, it was actually the, 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 the girl's mother, but she, she, she couldn't stand the husband because he comes from a different culture. And so she hires this, per- this investigator, has been following him since May, put a GPS on his, on his car, and she calls me and says, oh, my gosh, she goes, I haven't been up to sleep for four days. I know my husband's there, but I've got to talk to someone. Um, my uh, mom just called me and said that I, she hired a private investigator. He's doing this and he's doing that and he's, he's dealing drugs and he's going out and doing this. And he, we've got him tracked at doing this. And I mean, gave her all this information. And she just went crazy. Now, think about it. Private investigator, it's, they think he's got real stuff on him and he's got a real GPS on his car. What would you say? That is true. Anybody in agreement with that? It'd be true. But it's not true. Because it's in the wrong spirit. That's the kind of life we're living in. That's the voice we're living living in. I told this I told this lady, this wonderful girl, she she was just crying beside herself, and I said, "Okay, let me tell you firsthand. I know it's false, but on the other hand, let's just back up. What if it is true? What are you going to do now? And if it is true." Are you supposed to know that, or are you supposed to be trusting God in your life? See, what the enemy would like to do with us all the time is to send a voice that's really true, but have the wrong spirit, and have a lot of backup on your life, but it being the wrong fruit. So this person was actually telling her some part was true because the GPS was on the car, but part of it was true because of where he was going, but what he was doing was, was not even close to what she was actually accusing him of doing. So I basically said, here's the problem with us now. We've, we're, we're gathering all this information that is true about people, and we really call it, man, this is righteousness, this is justice. But we're supposed to be following the Lord, and instead of exposing people, we're supposed to be covering them. So this person is actually taking part through and she's actually exposing your husband to, to bring division and separation in your marriage. Well, it, what if it's true? Well, what are you going to do with it? You want to take something that has been hidden for your sake 
so that you and him can work it out as you're following the Lord? Or would you like to go ahead and just take it and divide yourself from your husband? Zechariah, that's Zechariah 3. Zechariah 3 was Joshua is standing before the throne and he says he's got filthy garments. Y'all with me? He's got filthy garments. Say filthy garments. So he's got what filthy garments is, is the stuff that he has been living in. It's his life. It's his past. He's clothed in all the stuff that he's done. Please go with me here. It's, it's real, and it's factual, and the enemy is standing there, and he's accusing Zechariah. And he's telling God the truth about his life. He's exposing him by fact. But here's the strange thing about God. God is not in that mind. He can't be. That's not the way He is. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And His ways are not our ways. So what God does is He rebukes the one that's right about Joshua. Oh, come on with me, God. He's rebuking the guy that's right about Joshua. That's right. That's exactly right. All of our, our self-righteousness, it's all filthy rags. So what has happened is, is that God has a whole different mindset on Joshua, knows Joshua's heart, but the enemy is going, yeah, but he's done this, yeah, but he's done that. And you remember he had this attitude about that? And this little cloth here says that, you know, he's just totally factual about Joshua. But God is going, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, my love rebukes everything that is factual about Joshua's life. Yes, sir. So you can so you can imagine what is I'm gonna take that even today. We're thinking that things about us that is even factual, that's true, that's condemning us, whether it comes from the outside of you or whether it comes from the inside of your head, is actually who you are. And you believe it. Please, please hear that. You actually believe it because it's true. But we think exposing truth is the Lord. Because the fruit of it is what? Accusation. Destruction. Criticism. Y'all ever criticize people? You ever criticize somebody? Well, they're just not true. What does that make you feel like? How do you see the person that you're criticizing after you let it out of your mouth? What does it feel like? Truthful. 
Well, it seems as though they're this way. Well, where's the fact? It's true for you, but where are the facts? You don't know it until you get to know the person, right? God knows the person. The enemy doesn't. Because God created him. Satan did. So God knows exactly who he is. So he'll rebuke Satan over real truth that he's talking about gospel. Because actually he's the one that does it. Does that make sense? I think we've got to find ourselves in our own lives where we have got to leave this voice that speaks to us that's been guiding us the wrong way inside our own heart. We've got to find ourselves being more subject to the Lord's Spirit and His voice than we do our own, even if it's true. Because anything that's true that doesn't have the Spirit of God on it, it's not truth at all. Not to God. And that's all that matters. I don't care what anybody says about me. I know what God thinks about me, so I can care less what he thinks about me. Well, he's got this thought. Well, take it to the Lord. Ask the Lord about it. Why does he have this thought? I've actually done that. Why does he have that thought? And I was actually upset because I'm perfect. He said, I gave him that thought to rebuke you. God always hides his treasure in perfect vessels. <laughs> no. Earthen vessels. Say earthen. Earthen. Not a gold vessel. Even God himself put himself in a box in the wilderness in an old wooden box. It was covered in gold but it was still a wooden box. Do you get what I'm saying? He's still going to use you while you're still wooden, but He's covering you by His opinion and by His truth and by His life. That's the gold that they put in there. But a lot of us like to look in our, at our wood instead of the gold. Even looking at each other, we like to look at the wood instead of what? The gold. If you were looking for gold in the ground, and as you're digging, and you knew there was gold, there was gold there, first of all, if you knew that there was gold right there under this ground, what would, what would it make you feel like? I mean, if we really found out there was gold right under my feet, huh? You'd get excited, wouldn't you? Huh? You'd start digging, right? You'd start digging. But the first part of it is when you find out there's gold there, your spirit changes. See, there's gold in every one of us. But we're not looking at the, for the gold. We're still looking at the ground. And if we were to dig, we'd chop through all this concrete, tear the carpet up, and wouldn't even care if we had got dirt under our fingernails, we were sweating to death, we were just, we'd just dig. We'd look like a bunch of fools. 
if there's here's the here's the thing I want to throw out here. If there's any if there's any negative thing that you think about a person that's true about them, it's not the Lord. If there's anything that you think negative about a person that is even true about that person, it's not coming from the Lord. That's not true discernment. That's not God's thought. He said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts, my what? That's a thought. A thought. So he's not even thinking that way toward us. We are thinking that way. Not him. Turn over to Isaiah 55. I'm going to show you something. Does this help? The enemy, here's what the enemy would like for us to do. While you're turning there. He would like for us to be like him. Where we know something good about you, but then we know something bad about you. You know why? Because that messes it all up in your mind. You can't love them. You know you can't love if you think good and evil about a person? It's impossible. And I love you, but you know. It's impossible. Well, I'm going to love him because Jesus loves him. No, you can't do that either. He didn't say we'd be known for Jesus' love toward us. He said, did he? he the world would know that we are His disciples by our love toward one another. Not God's love. Jesus loves you. That means you don't. It's a slight little snaky thing with us. Because God wants to give us pure heart, pure thought. So with our minds are seeking those things above, not those things that are that are sinful. Let's read some here in Isaiah 55. Is this helping some? I can't grab my glasses. I can't see the Lord to get me. Verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way. That's us. Now when you go to read this, look up at me. When you go to read this, we, we subconsciously first think of somebody else that's wicked, don't we? Come on. Because it's true, isn't it? Because our self-righteousness automatically pops up. What? Let the wicked, what? Forsake. What's that? What's forsake look like? What does it look like in your life? When I say forsake, Jennifer, what does it look like? Run? I mean, just abandon it. I mean, totally abandon it. So we're going to have to abandon all of the wicked thoughts or the flesh thoughts that we have about anyone, even if it's true because it's wicked. You're being private investigators instead of the Lord. You're putting GPS spiritual stuff underneath them. And you're watching what they're doing. Oh, look at them. They went over there. They did this. But we don't know their own heart. No one knows the heart of man except the Spirit of God. So in other, in other, in other words, in order to know that person, we've got to know them through a Holy Spirit, not a flesh spirit. 
or sinful spirit. And you know what that means. You have to get to know them. You have to get take time to love them. Be with them. Dwell with them. Understand them. That means that relationship is exactly for you. You keep you keep you keep loving them until you get delivered. Yes, praise the Lord. Thank you. Let the wicked forsake his way. Just remember that, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So the thoughts that we have that are opinionated or critical, whatever they may be, it's unrighteousness in them. Say unrighteousness. But to us, it feels righteous. <laughs> That's why he's talking about it's unrighteous. But to us, we think they're righteous. Well, Jennifer, I'm just right about you, and I know it. And it might be something that she's going through. And the only reason, the only reason she's having problems in life, she's always grumbling and complaining. I'm not saying you do that. But I'm looking on the outside. I can't see on the inside. So my thoughts are unrighteous. Now, does it? could I be right looking from the outside? Everybody would go, yeah, I can see that. Why? Because we're all used to looking on the outside. It's, yeah, it's real forgiveness. True discernment is finding the Lord instead of flaws. years ago, we were talking about this this morning, she was asking me about a certain speaker that we tried to have years ago, and then they tried to expose him just a couple of years ago. And these guys went and investigated all these other ministers, and all these other guys started coming up with all this information, and some of the information was really true about this person, but it was hidden because God had hidden it for him to give him a chance to repent and time to come to the Lord. But the accuser of the brethren, brethren, the reason they call him the accuser of the brethren because it's Christians that do it. So they go and find this information, spread it all over Facebook, and then my buddy, thank God he has no fear of man, he said, they're just being the accuser of the brethren. And they went after, they went after him. Didn't have a clue what they were doing. But we're right. No, you're wrong. Because if you're going around trying to find wrongs about a person, or if you're going around in your life trying to find wrongs even while you're walking with that person, or trying to discern wrongs about that person, you will never be in the Spirit for the rest of your life. The trick of the enemy. Well, they went into town, they rejected him, and they wanted to call down, you know, fire from heaven. He said, you don't know what spirit you are. 
that probably would have blown my mind. I thought, oh my gosh, the, the whole town's unbelief. You know, let's, let's turn them out. That's exactly the way we think. As no cabin comes, I went into town together and they got a religious spirit. And the Lord goes, well, you do too. Because until we see God's spirit in His ways, we're still in a state of judgment. It's in us. Yeah. Washington's trying to tell us we're all hard on <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's true. All right, let's go keep going before we get into questions. And the unrighteous man his thought, let him return to the Lord. What? Let's read it again. Now, look up at me. Let him return to the Lord. So, who's he talking to? He's talking to people that actually know the Lord. So, when he's saying return, he's not talking about people that don't know the Lord. He's talking about people that do know the Lord. Let him return. It's because you've been there before. You've been in a place. We have been in a place where y'all are the... How was it, what did it feel like when you received the Lord? How did you feel when you had salvation? It's like your whole mind was clean. Your, mind, your body felt clean. Everything just felt clean and you were happy. Right? You couldn't see anything bad. Everybody was such a great person until that snake gets crawled right back in your garden and starts whispering in your ear. Right? Says, let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. When y'all like to have that? Abundantly. Say abundantly. That means he'll wash all your thoughts out. And then he says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, now you might want to catch this one, because he's going to explain to you what it's like when you really walk in the Spirit. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but waters the earth, and make it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. What does that mean? It's like he's shifted. What he's saying is that if you will get back into the Spirit, in the heaven where the rain comes down, you will get rain or plenishment from the Lord upon your life and you will have daily seed or a daily bread every single day. You will go from favor to wisdom and stature and favor with man. Just like Jesus. You will constantly walk in this place of blessing. I'm not talking about physical blessing. God's going to care less about that. He's talking about the heart. So he's saying, let's read it again. 
So my ways are, are higher than your ways. My thoughts are uh, than my, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, that's the spirit, and the snow from heaven, snow from where? What snow do when you when you walk outside and it's snowing? What do you hear? So he's talking about rain, washing, and then you also have peace when you get in that place of the Spirit. Snow's not heavy. Lands on you is very light. My burden is what? Return there, but water the earth, that's us, and make it bring forth and bud. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me, just like rain, when it comes down, I want you to follow me. Let's just watch this for me. A bird comes along, he's eating, he's eating seeds, and he is, he's flying along, sounds crazy, but he poops while he's in the air. Seed is in his poop, it hits the ground, rain comes along. Rains on the poop, washes the poop away. The seed is left there. The seed is now able to actually germinate. It starts germinating, and a plant or tree comes up where you thought, "How did that ever get there?" The earth yields itself the crop. Why? Because the rain comes down. Here's what happens in your life: there is seed in you that God has planted. And when you start walking in the Spirit, or you start following God's ways, invisible rain will come down upon your life, and the seed and the fruit that is inside of you will automatically come up without you trying. The only thing you have to do is just follow the Spirit. And then the rain comes, waters the seed, and the earth gives its fruit on its own. Now, if you do that backwards and you try, you try to make the seed grow, and you're doing it all in your own strength, you're not in the spirit. So you can't have rain. You end up doing it on your own, and you're miserable. You ever done stuff on your own? How many of y'all made the grave mistake and did something stupid, thought it was the Lord, just because you wanted to? Yeah. What does that bring? Death. Total death. Right? But the earth, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. Say that with me. I please. So if you listen to the Spirit, which is His Word, the seed will blossom and it will accomplish what He pleases in your life, which is greater than what you're walking in right now. Well, I want to know. You can't because you'll control it. Or you'll try to make it happen. Is there any, any control freaks in here? I'm, okay. Yeah. You'll try to make it happen on your own. And when you happen, try to make it happen on your own, you are miserable. Aren't you? I know I am. 
It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Why does he say the thing? Because he don't want you to know. That's what happened. He wants it to be a surprise. Wouldn't you like to stop having to know? Just know the Lord and follow Him. Well, where are we going? He never said that. It's just like, I've even got visions of where I'm going and that ain't even where I'm going. Because the, the, path of the, uh, the, the path of life, walking with the Lord, we think it's this way. It's like this. But we want it this way but his path is just crazy. And our minds don't like it. Watch this. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out. Look at me. You shall go out with joy. In other words, you will come forth and you'll get your joy back. you're living in a temple that's full of your opinion and your will, you come out with misery. Or you come out with criticism. Or you come out with nothing's ever right. And you never want to go anywhere. Because they're this and they're that. You find all these excuses to stay miserable. It's because you're coming out in the flesh and the spirit that you're actually producing and the fruit that you're producing is misery. But if you're led by His Word, His Word starts growing and you come out with joy. In other words, you actually get to be open again without fear. Am I helping you? You shall go out with joy and be led forth with what? There's, okay, the joy, remember this, we talked about rain, we talked about snow. The rain comes down, you get your joy back. The snow comes down, you get your what? What? Peace. You'll be led with peace. You shall come out with joy. Let's read it together. And be led out with what? With peace. Then the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. In other words, all your strongholds have to bow before the Lord. They, they just, everything starts becoming praise. You know why? Because you're getting your life back. This is pretty good, man. Thank you. Can't wait to preach it. For the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing wouldn't you like for your mountains and your hills that you've got that kept you down? I wonder what they're going to think about me. And who's going to think me? And I don't know. Wouldn't you like to just be walking in the Spirit so much you could care less about your mountain and your hills and you just start breaking forth into singing in the very place that's held you down? This is not talking about a physical. This is talking first spiritual. The mountains and the hills shall break forth in singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall what? That's trees are men. 
see it in with the man that he, the blind man that he, that Jesus led out of the out of town to heal him. He, he told him to look up, and he looked up, and he said, "What do you see?" He said, "I see men like trees walking." That's us. The trees of the field shall start clapping their hands again. When's the last time you just stood there and went like this? Try it. And your mind goes, what in the world are you doing? No one claps their hand when they're mad. No one claps their hand when they're going, well, I'm just a In other words, the spiritual things that are going on in your body, inside of your spirit, it's making your body respond to God. He's open. And his mind is that way. Yeah. Don't tell don't let me go there. I'll start twitching. A, a short story here. I was actually up in Moravian Falls. When I lived in Moravian Falls, uh, I was I was with our friend Buck Petty. He's deceased now. I always liked to take walks with me. And we were in this little field that he had, and we were under a tree. And he told me another story about Jesus. And so I started telling him a story about Jesus. And uh, we heard this literally. And, I, and we were going, and we couldn't hear it. We couldn't figure it out. We just kept clapping. And finally, we realized it was above us. And it was literally the tree, the, the limbs, and I'm not talking about little limbs. I'm talking these big limbs were going like this, hitting each other. And the, and the tree was clapping its hands. It was impossible for that to happen. We about pooped in our pants and cried and asked the Lord to forgive us for our unbelief. So if the trees that are dead by the curse because of us, if Jesus can come while we're under a tree, and it causes the tree to come alive inside itself. Think about that. And all the limbs that aren't supposed to clap, they're supposed to break, now they're, what? Flex. live in this world makes you sick. Makes you sick. For God, makes you sick for each other, makes you sick for yourself. But He's come to eradicate that. And the trees of the field shall clap their hands instead of the thorn, that's a thought. Thorns are thought. That's why they put a crown of thorns on his head. The crown of thorns was just about the pain. It's about the, all the thousands of thoughts that man had taken on from sin. They literally stabbed it in his head. And he took it on so that we could have no more thorns in our head that would lead us off path. And he's saying, instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress tree. That's God's Word. And instead of the briar, that's a 
prior to this, he was walking through. What does it do? It will scratch you and it always holds you, doesn't it? It will you, grab your clothes and you go, oh. Stuff that's been holding you back. All those priors that those things have been holding you back. It starts to break off your life. Don't know this stuff true. But Jesus did this first in his own body. Because he came in the form of sinful flesh. And he had to flush it all out of himself through that so that we could actually know that we can flush it by walking in the spirit with him. Does our flesh not like does our flesh like it? No, it doesn't like it. Because it has to give up its life. And you have to let go of your own life. Doesn't want to let go. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be in the to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Well, when you look to see that. Let me show you uh, a place where turn over to John five. I'm almost done. Remember, if you get a please remember this: if you get a negative thought about a person, you're and it's true about a person, say it out. Or as soon as you get it, go. I'm sorry, Lord. What were you thinking? Here we go. Here's one of Jesus's temptations, and you're you're going to love this. Jesus, here we go. Verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. He stood on the lake, by the lake, uh, then said, and saw the, uh, two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which is Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Now, how many of you guys know this uh, story? Anybody? Well, what has happened, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a fisherman, but I have fished all night and never caught anything. And they found out that people had not caught anything. And they toiled all night. So they're, they're, they're over there washing their nets. They've been up all night. Have y'all ever been up all night? Are y'all clapping your hands up? You've been up all night and you close your eyes? Huh? What does it feel like? Huh? You're tired, irritable. My cat slapped somebody to talk to you. Right? So they've been up all night. They're trying to wash their nets. They're not having their attitude is bad. They say their attitude is bad. Y'all have seen that that their attitude is bad? Because they're trying to wash their nets. They can't get their nets in order. They can't get enough of their nets. Right. I would have thought they were in a serious attitude, and, and 
there's a contract temptation in all of us at the except in Jesus. Because we've always judged people that don't have anything because they didn't Says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for catch. Remember, now it's starting to rain. Start playing. Because he's about to start giving seed to the sower. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we called all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, let down your nets. I would have said, you know, I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you an abundance. God's abundance what, is what causes us to do. Not us repenting first because it was a nice thing. We love Him because He's the first. In other words, He did it first. Even when we hate Him, He did it first. That's crazy, isn't it? So He's doing it first again. But nobody knows that He's doing it first even within Himself. Because He's overcoming the temptation of the world of how everybody thinks about everybody. He doesn't have anything because he's in sin. He doesn't have anything because he's walking he's running from the Lord. He doesn't have anything because he's mumbled and tongue. Because the word of God says, if you mumble and tongue, then you can know you will not enter into the promise. I'm telling you that they're promised. But if you say it that way, if you test your fruit, it's wrong. You're using God's stuff to achieve someone else. Master, we called all night and called nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was broken. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come help them. Peter has now, have y'all ever had an abundance of your life before? Does it make you feel good or does it make you feel bad? You don't. Be, you, you you start becoming somebody that you weren't. <laughs> so Peter doesn't even realize that because of Jesus is overcoming the world, which is in the mind of man, gives seed to the sower, which is Peter, blesses him, causes him to repent in his own consciousness, and now he's out in the field where guys have been toiling all night. They're still out there. What kind of attitude do you think they're in? And then Peter becomes like the Lord and yells out, which doesn't happen. You don't do this in business, you know. Uh, come get some of my stuff. 
But in God's kingdom, that's the way it is. So Peter doesn't even realize it, but he's becoming like the Lord. And he has forgotten that old mentality because he's, he's looking at his competitors. Y'all understand what I'm saying? He's looking at his competitors and he's going, hey, come over here. Come get this stuff. Now the competitors, what do you think the competitor's mind was doing? What's wrong with Peter? He's going to come over here. He's going to follow him. He's going to stink our clothes now. Because they've never seen Peter this way. It's a domino effect. The Spirit's now moving. Now Peter has become like the Lord, and he is making places for guys that he is in comp- competition with, and he's giving them his stuff. Why? Because Jesus gave all of Peter his stuff. And once that happens, you become this joyful person that wants to give away not only your stuff, but give away your whole life to them. That's what Jesus did. He endured the cross because of the what? The joy. It wasn't his. He he saw us coming into this abundance. He didn't see, well, I'm going to the throne. That's what I'm putting my mind on. That's giving me joy. That wouldn't be the Lord. He saw you and I coming into that stuff, which gave him joy like, Oh my God, the whole world's going to come to this stuff. This is awesome. I'll endure it for him. But we forget what he had to go through to even get to that place. It took him all of his life of dying to his old mentality for our sake to show us how we can flush out the mind Renew the mind by the Word of God, following Him. And then when you get to literally having to lay down your life, you're going to want to do it. Not have to do it. But I don't think Christianity is at the place of wanting to do it yet. I don't want to bless those folks. I'm right. I'm right. Maybe you can be right. But you do too. That's a tragic end. That's a tragic end. That's a tragic end. And it breaks the spirit. In other words, it's when you put something wicked, it's a little twisted. You get a little truth that's a little twisted. It breaks the spirit. And the first spirit that it breaks is you when you die in your life. But I, I, when I look at this thing, 
is it mostly tongues of pure water? That is somebody where they're putting their thoughts on the Lord and being led by the Lord in their thinking. If I'm going to give you life, then I've got to be deliberate. Not just trying to get it from someone and be satisfied. I've got to live it in order to truly impart life. I can't set that apart. Well, I'm just going to obey the Spirit because I really don't like it. And you obey the Spirit and God says, Praise the Lord. No, we have to have praise the Lord. You know, they say, It really actually impart praise to God. I've given prophetic words when I've been right.
God and the Spirit looking on the overshadowing Those that are 